of office. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the righteous one. He is the one that will hold the government on his shoulders. He is awesome, isn't he? And you all said, amen. He is awesome. And uh, it is just in- incredible. We are going to be in the book of Philippians. You want, might want to turn there right now uh, as I kind of set some things up here. Uh, for those of you that are listening online, I have some ladders, and we'll explain that a little bit as we go. But right now, I want to ask you if you've ever had to assemble something. Raise your hand if you've ever had to assemble something. I usually assemble grills because I burn them up. I don't know what I do to them. I've assembled bicycles. I've assembled bookcases. How many of you have assembled one of those put-together particle board bookcases? I have even done those wrong. Uh, I have put them upside down when it's all finished. The, the, uh, the nice side is facing towards the ground and the uh, other side is facing up. And so I love instructions with pictures, don't you? you like, I like illustrations. In fact, if it doesn't have an illustration and it just says put A into B, you're like, okay, what is A and what is B and what does that look like? And I'm so thankful for YouTube videos because I have become a better handyman, amen? You all have become better because you have somebody that can illustrate what you are watching. And uh, that, that's just awesome. So last week, Paul told us that self-centeredness or selfishness robs you of your joy. And he told us then in a positive light or a positive tone that uh, how to have joy and not to lose it and he said this do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit and and we talked about how we we have to understand that that it means about trying to win other people over to your way make people do what you want them to do stop thinking that your way is always the right way and then he goes on and he says this but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others now some translations say this consider others better than yourselves and the word better doesn't quite capture what paul is saying he's not pitting people against one another he's not really trying to get you to to uh rank people or judge people but the greek word actually just means to hold above you hold them above it doesn't mean hey i'm better than you or hey i hold you above me i'm concerned about you above myself are you with me on that from last week okay now parents feel that way about their children they don't you don't go to Corey and say Corey, you're so much better than me no you say you hold her up and you meet her needs before you meet your own. That's what it means. Parents are, are totally into that, that I hold you above my needs and wants. And so Paul is telling the church, hold others above yourself. And humility makes you think of others ahead of yourself. So humility doesn't mean you put yourself down, but that you lift others up. Now last week we said this, humility is about promoting or holding up others instead of promoting yourself. And why am I restating last week's message? I know it's running through at least my wife's mind because she'll always say, why did you go over there? That's okay. Because like in a good 
instruction manual, there are illustrations, and there are examples. Paul has told us this premise. He's told us the teaching. Now he's going to give us an example. Now he's going to illustrate it. Paul's going to say, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Hold other people up. Now look at verse 5 in your chapter. Chapter 2, it says this. Have this Some of your versions will say attitude. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, hold other people up. And now we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at him as the example of one that held other people up. Just look at Jesus. Have this attitude or have the same mindset of Jesus. So here's the very first fill in the blank. Humility putting others before yourself is the ladder, that's why we have some ladders up on the stage, that leads to unity and joy. Now I've chosen a ladder to help illustrate Paul's illustration. There's, and and here's why. Um, Because ladders are symbolic. Yes, they're functional and all that, but they're symbolic. And, and, And Work with me on this as, as you hear me un, unpack this. Because there's always some ladder to climb, isn't there? The world wants you to climb ladders. In our culture, there are many, many categories of ladders that people try to climb. There's popularity. There's power. There's authority. There's money and stuff. There's prestige, there's importance, there's the corporate ladder, there's the job ladder, there's the career ladder, there's I gotta get a better car ladder, I gotta get a better house, I gotta get a better wife, I gotta, you're just constantly climbing the ladder. Your salary has to climb, doesn't it? Your prestige has to climb in the community. Everything has to keep climbing. And the higher up the ladder you go, the more praise and status you get. That's what our culture is. In fact, our culture's goal is to die right up here on the top of the heap, right? You want to don't you want to die down there. You want to die at the top because it's all about the ladder. Climbing the ladder. Our culture, our whole culture is bought into this ladder of success. What I would call, and see if this resonates in your heart. Isn't our culture about upward mobility? Isn't that almost the American dream? You can come here and you can make something of yourself and it's all about, now not all of it's bad, but I want you to understand that our whole culture is fixated on climbing these various ladders in our life. Some of them are very fleshly. In fact, in our culture, with each rung you climb, the better, the cooler, the hipper you become in your own eyes, but in the eyes of others. More achievement. With each rung you climb, the more money you get, the higher and better you are than the people below you. Are you with me on that? Are you tracking? Okay. Now, we're always trading up, aren't we? It's so ingrained in us that we don't even realize that we want to we constantly trade up. Always climbing the ladders. We trade up our homes. We do. We trade up our jobs. We trade up our cars. We trade up our toys. We trade up our tech. 
How many of you have gotten a phone, a new phone in the last year? Uh, I don't want to see. No, no, you, sorry, you don't have to raise your hand. We trade up, like I said, we trade up our, our spouses. Sometimes we trade up our churches. Well, I've outgrown that church. I want to be with the bigger church, the church that has more money, or the church that's doing this, or the church that's doing that. Or we trade up our clubs. We trade up our playgroups. We trade up where we eat. How come when I was young, it was okay to eat at McDonald's? Now I have to have five guys. Right? Are you with me? Okay, some of you don't like five guys, but you understand that there's always this concept of trading up. It's so ingrained in us, this, this ladder. Just crazy. Bigger is better. The latest, the greatest, up, trading up our lifestyles, trading up our, our meals. In fact, the higher you climb up the rung, the more you have convinced yourself that you deserve better. Do you know people actually get embarrassed if their car is more than 10 years old? Now, I know that's not you. That is not you. But I know people who are embarrassed if they drive an old car because somehow that car is their self-worth and their self-esteem and therefore they got to go spend money that they don't have on a car so they can impress people that they don't like because their self-esteem is riding on it. But it's this idea of trading up. Are you going to be embarrassed if your car is 20 years old, 30 years old, and it's a junker and it's falling apart? Well, if you're into this ladder, you're going to go get a new car so you can feel better about yourself. Or they're embarrassed not to have the latest styles. They're embarrassed. They're, I know people that are embarrassed to shop at a thrift store. And I, think th- I tell my wife all the time, frugalness is sexy. It is just sexy. Frugalness is sexy. And, and yet, they're, well, I can't. I know people that will not shop at Walmart because it's beneath them. Because they have this image that they're above than below. Our culture loves these words. Raise, promotion, advancement, progress or progressive, Increase, winning, evolving, better, improved, newer, cooler, hipper. We love the rag to riches stories because it reflects this upward mobility. Climb that ladder. But most people don't realize that ladders go two ways, don't they? You can go up a ladder and you can go down a ladder. Heaven forbid that we ever talk about going down the ladder. We don't like words like, hey, honey, guess what? I got a demotion today. Woohoo! Honey, I got a decrease in my salary. Trading down. We don't like those words, trading down, losing, beneath, devolve, regress, because that's contrary to our culture. It's contrary to the world, and it's contrary to our flesh. Adam and Eve, do you want to trade up and be like God? Oh, oh man, that, is, that started so long ago. You want to trade up and be like God? Let me appeal to your flesh. Just eat this fruit. Now, Paul points to Jesus to illustrate what thinking of others means. So here's our second fill in the blank. Our example on the ladder. It is the counter-cultural Christ. And in order to do that, we're going to look at verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. But we're going to 
do it from up here. Why? Jesus starts at the top. He has created the angels. He has created everything, and it is beneath Him. He is the Creator God. He is the one that expanded the universe. We, we have no concept of how high and glorious he lives in unapproachable light. He lives in unapproachable glory. He is the one where no one came before Him. He is the great what? I am. He is the self-existent one. He lives, like I said, beyond what we can even hope to imagine. But this is what Colossians says. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the spoken word of the Father. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before. Before, that means He is above. He is above all things. He starts at the tippy top of the ladder. And in Him, all things hold together. I'm just going to throw that on the ground so I don't have to worry about it. Now, Tammy, can you put up the next slide? This is what Scripture says. You can read it along with me. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all that triune being all together at the tippy top. And it says that he did not count Equality with God, a thing to be grasped. That word equality means he's, he is God. It is a present participle and mean that he always has existed as God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's there. But Jesus did not have an attitude that said, I'm going to hang on to my rights. I'm going to grasp onto my privileges. I'm going to stay seated at the top. No. He didn't grab onto his glory. That's what the text says. He didn't grab onto his position. Jesus released it. He didn't grasp it. He released his privileges, his possessions, his rights, his blessing, his honor, his praise, his glory, his position. Everything that was his, he said, I release it. I will not grasp onto it. The son looked at the father and released his rights as the son of God. He is the one who is to be served. Now I want you to help me with this. And I want you to help me in the sense of, do this. He opened his hands. He opened his hands. And he let go of his rights. So he opened his hands. He let go of his rights. Turn then it this way. He let go of his, he opened his hands. He let go of his rights. And then he put others above him. 
and then down he went. One rung. I'm going to have to do it this way. Tammy, next slide. Read it along with me. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He didn't lay aside his deity. I want you to understand that. Jesus did not lay aside his deity or his personhood, but he laid aside his glory his honor, his position. He didn't come as a king, although he was a king. He didn't get birthed into a royal family, a rich family. He didn't even get born into a lower class or a middle class family. He came as a poor person. Do you know he had to borrow a place to even be born in? He had to borrow a boat so that he could preach? Did you know he had to borrow a place to, to sleep and borrow a bed or, or borrow a home to have a meal in. He even had to borrow a grave. He emptied himself. He emptied himself. And he became nothing by setting aside, catch this, his desires. Remember in the garden? Let this cup pass. Let this cup pass. Father, Abba, let this cup pass. I don't want to go to the cross. But he said what? Not my will be done. He emptied himself. Scripture says he became sin for us, the one who knew no sin. And he didn't call attention to himself. He did not demand his own way. He was Scripture says he was nothing to look at. If you saw him, you wouldn't say, oh, there's a handsome man. Oh, that man has a stature. That man has a physique. That He was nothing to look at. He emptied himself. He wasn't the star. He wasn't the important one. He was the, willing to, the one that was willing to stoop down, untie the sandals, and wash the feet. What did he do? He opened his hands. What's the next? He opened his hands. He put, oh man, I'm, I cannot believe this has just been blocked in my brain. And it's so important, sorry. He let go of, he opened his hands, he let go of his rights. That's what he's trying to teach us right now. He's letting go of his rights and then put others before him. And down he went. Tammy, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with a God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by what? Taking on the form of a servant. Not only did he not hold on to his glory, although even though he didn't make himself important, he came with a purpose and an attitude of being a servant. What the Greek would say, a doulos, a bondservant. He went from king to slave. And do you ever realize that slaves carry burdens? That's their primary task. And Jesus would carry the heaviest 
and the weightiest burden of us all. He came as a slave so that he could carry the burden of our sin to the cross. He released the attitude, hey, you should serve me. He released that. He let go of that. He let go of his rights. And he went to the opposite end of the spectrum and became a servant, a slave, a bond slave. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a what? A ransom for many. He opened his hands, let go of his rights, put others before him or above him, and down he went. Next slide. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. He emptied himself by adding humanity to him. The all-powerful now is powerless to his own creation. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got weary. He got tired and bled. He knew pain. He knew heartbreak. He knew betrayal. The Creator now is powerless to His own creation. Talk about being found in the likeness of men. He was vulnerable to hurt and pain and everything that you are vulnerable to. The Creator experienced what it was like to actually be the created. Empathy, sympathy, compassion... Putting yourself in the shoes of another is exactly what Jesus did. Being found in the likeness of man. To experience what it's like to be one of us. Scripture says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How humiliating that the creator stooping so low as to become his creation. What did he do? He opened his hands. He let go of his rights and put others above him. And he stepped down. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And then what's the next slide? And being found in human form. Being found in human form. Isn't that the same as being found in the likeness of... Wait. Mark Twain wrote a book once called The Prince and the Pauper. Ever read it? Ever remember it? It was about a prince that decided that he would see what it was like to live outside of his castle. And he put the clothes on of a poor, poor boy and roamed the countryside. He changed his clothes, but he didn't change who he was, was he? Jesus changed clothes and was found in the appearance of man, but his true identity, God, 
was clothed in the flesh. That's why I think the disciples didn't get it at first. Because he was so much like us that they didn't see the difference. He was found in human form. And this was like blowing their minds. Who is this? Remember when he calmed the the sea and the storm by just saying, be still. And the disciples freaked out. It says they were utterly amazed. They said, who is this guy that can command nature? Wow. They didn't even recognize him. Why? Because he is found. God was found in human form. John writes this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. It it became in front of us and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which is with the Father. Jesus is God even though he came in the appearance of a man so that we could understand him, that we could relate to him. So what did he do? He opened his hands, let go of his rights, put others above himself, and down he stepped. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He gave up his rights and considered others better than himself. And by becoming obedient to the Father, he gave up his life. He had given up his glory. He had given himself up to be made into nothing. He became a slave. He took on flesh. And then he gave up his very right to live. 10,000 angels were at his disposal to be called upon. And he did not call them. If Jesus was truly going to help us, he would have to die in our place, wasn't he? So he surrendered his right to live. He surrendered his right to live so that we might live. And what did he do? Help me. He opened his hands. He gave up his rights and put others above himself. And he stepped down. Next slide. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, it's yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death, what? on a cross because of his attitude because of his humility and he put others above himself he died in your place I should have to die for my own rebellion for my own stinking thinking for my own trouble 
for all the sin and pain that I've caused in this world. But he stepped down to die on a cross and took my punishment. He suffered the worst kind of torturous death there is. You, you hear about waterboarding and you, and you see movies and you see all the... This was torture. Medical people have examined what happens to the body when it hangs on a cross and it is incredibly painful. I remember when I was a little kid, I saw this movie where a man was in trouble and they were trying to get information out from him and they took a drill and they drilled his tooth out and then just picked his, his nerve. That's nothing compared with what was going on to Jesus' body. In order to breathe, in order not to suffocate, he had to pull on the nails that sent excruciating pain to him. Why? Because we should have been there. We should have been there. Laid down his life for us to pay, to atone, to ransom our debt that we might live. He opened his hands, right? Let go of his rights, put others before him, and he stepped down, but not just stepped down, he stepped into what? The grave. He stepped down into the grave. Here's the third fill in the blank. The way to joy and unity runs countercultural. It's not up, but down. Now I have three ladders in front of me. And I want you to have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. In your marriage, in your friendships, and Paul is specifically talking about in the church, the, the bride of Christ. Now, Daisy, I'd like you to come and stand right here. Scott, would you come and stand right here? I need one volunteer that's not shaky on a ladder. Oh, you're all just jumping out. Mike, I got Mike. Mike, come help me out here. I want you to go up a ring or two. You don't have to go too far. Culture says get to the top. Jesus says get to the bottom. Mike, I want you to hold Daisy's hands right now. No, no. You, I, I, you can go down if you're willing to. If you're willing to open your hands... Let go of your rights and put her before you, you can get down. But if you're not willing to live in humility, if you're going to be ambitious, if you're going to be conceited, everything has to be done your way, you're not getting off of your ladder. Now, Scott, I want you to hold Michael's hand. Okay. My son-in-law just blew my illustration. No, I'm, t I'm kidding. No, no, no. What happens in your marriage when the husband is willing to open his hands, 
Not grasp, that's what the text said. Jesus didn't grasp his rights. He opens his hands, he let go of his rights, and put others before him. If you are going to have a great marriage, you are going to open your hands, you're going to let go of your rights, and you're going to put your wife ahead of you. And the same thing. Now, if you do the same thing and you do the same thing, guess what happens? You both come off of the ladder, don't you? Come off of the ladder. Now, when the relationships can come off of the ladder, now we can hold hands, can't we? Go ahead, hold hands. It won't kill you. (laughs) Church, can I ask you, how is a marriage to hold hands? If you're going to cling to your rights and you're going to demand your privilege and glory and honor and all the things that you got do according to our culture, How in the world are you going to have unity? You're not going to have joy. The only way, Jesus says, to have joy and unity is to consider others more important, more significant than yourselves. And Jesus, now next week is going to be awesome too because Jesus takes, Jesus has his hands like this, Jesus has his hands like this, and Jesus has his hands like this, and God the Father is going to grab those hands and yank him all the way back up to glory. And that's what's going to happen for us too. It is in humility that we have joy and unity. And if you're in a marriage where one's on a ladder and one's not, that's not the best marriage you could have. But if both are off of the ladder, man, you're rocking it to the world. You're rocking it to the world. But there are too many of us that, oh yeah, we'll come down a step or two, but no way am I getting off this ladder. I'm hanging on to my rights. That's not the way of the Lord. And Paul gave us this, ex- this beautiful example of Jesus stepping down out of heaven step by step by step all the way into the grave because he opened his hands, gave up his rights, and put us, us, before him. Thank you. You guys can sit down. The way to joy and unity is down. In humility, consider more others more significant than yourselves. We're coming into a time of communion. <laughs> I want you to be honest with Him. And I want you to say, Lord, if you have to pry open my hands, that I would not grasp my rights, that I would let them go. And that I would be like Jesus and I would put others before my own needs. Let me pray. Oh, Father.